even if we've talked about it, if it keeps coming up, it must need to be had again. And then if I resist it, it has me. It throws me around the room. It gets me upset. I lose focus of my love or concern or commitment, whatever's there for what we're talking about. And I get edgy and and I can really hurt myself. I can set the relationship back, but because I'm just unwilling to entertain what needs to be talked about. Is your communication generous? And what does that even mean? Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There is no conversation too risky. In this episode, Dan, Adrian, and I sit down to chat about what generous communication is. And no, it's not talking a lot or pandering with toxic positivity. It is the only type of communication that will build a culture of clarity and feeling heard. You'll learn what all that means in this conversation. Let's dive in. Dan, Adrian, gentlemen, it's so great to be with you. Yes, here we are. Excited to be here. I have a question for you. Do you ever find yourself saying the same thing over and over again to somebody? I love it. I really (laughs) do. Isn't that what marriage is? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that what exec team meetings are? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, this is marriage is like one place that I really hear this from my clients a lot is like we have this conflict in our relationship and we've talked about it again and again and again and again. And I they're usually surprised when I say, Great, that's awesome. Keep talking about it. <laughs> that's not what they want to hear. Because they want to think that they can say it once and it's over and it's done. And, you know, that's anyway. So this complaint of like, wow, we have to talk about this again, or people have to hear something again, or I need to continue to ask for what I need. It's the idea that this is something opposite of generous communication. The the topic of conversation today is around generous communication, this idea. So I, I I want to get there in a minute. I really want to identify, help people identify with what the the complaints are, the experience of not communicating generously or even where they might be resisting communicating generously. And this often looks like a waste of time, being repetitive, people not paying attention, that kind of stuff. What is it that you guys experience or hear uh, in the experience of not communicating generously? Well, we know that communication is majority is, is not a lot of what you say. It's really around your presence and how you say it. So I think a lot of the, you know, it'd be interesting to track. It'd be interesting to have it on, have it recorded actually of how you talked about the thing you keep repeating, because I just, I know in myself, it's like some points I'm just like, Hey, this is what I'm saying. You know, it's like our, our mood shifts and our mood becomes more irritable or frustrated or dire or edgy or crusty or pick, pick a, you know, an adjective. Because I think a lot of the, the uh, 
reaction to something not working or something not getting across because you know that's when we're talking about it loses any generosity i'm not actually here concerned about the other person anymore i'm just really here to try to get this thing done with not that there's not moments when you need to get really clear and and cut the bullshit and cut and get right and straightforward and to the point there's needed for that um but that can be as that that ought to be strategically intended instead of a reaction. Yeah, I call it, like it's, um, instead of you having the conversation, the conversation has you. And that shows up like, well, we already had this conversation. But what's true is you might have had the conversation. <laughs> you they might have said have, the conversation. They may not have had the conversation that they have about it. And you may not be interested in their, what they have to say about it. That's why, that's a way of saying, I'm not interested in what you have to say, I already talked about this. <laughs> and that's why a spouse is so helpful. Because <laughs> even if we've talked about it, if it keeps coming up, it must need to be had again. Like, and then if I resist it, it has me, it's throwing, it throws me around the room. It gets me upset. I lose focus of my love or concern or commitment whatever's there for what we're talking about. And I get edgy and, and I can really hurt myself. I can set, set the relationship back. But because I'm just unwilling to entertain what needs to be talked about. Dan, what's the distinction for you between somebody like thinking they had the conversation and actually having the conversation? At least that's, the, that's what I heard you saying. I remember a time Eileen and I were working, actually working for Adrian. Um, many years ago, we were working with Adrian for him at the Cornerstone Project, which was a foundation that Adrian was running. And we had been contracted in to help develop some curriculum. And Eileen was having, we kept, we kept having this conversation over and over again about <clears throat> her place in the process, where, what she would do or not do. <clears throat> and she kept saying to me, well, I just feel so connected, disconnected from you. I feel so disconnected from this. I don't see how I can make a difference. So, and we kept having the conversation. Conversation kept coming up, so it was having us. So I said, I got an idea. Why don't you list down all the ways that we're disconnected in this? And I'll write down all the ways I see we're disconnected. And then you can share the ways you're disconnected and then I'll share the ways I see. And our job is just to hear each other, not to contend. And we, at the end of that conversation, we found ourselves laughing because we realized we had connected over the disconnection and we started seeing ways to deal with some of the concrete issues we thought we couldn't deal with because we were now getting off of proving that the other person is disconnected. We're now realizing where we stand so we're actually connected even though we're not in the same place and we could talk intelligent intelligently about the business without taking it personal it made a huge difference but it's just a matter of kind of slowing you know it's adrian you know that the whole idea that you said that distinction was ambition without humanity is despair and the ambition of getting the thing done was really despairing because we were getting it done, but we were running over each other. So when we sat down and stopped and talked 
and really reconnected to our humanity. It was, we were, it was like all of a sudden meaning returned to the relationship and what, and within the organization. So for us, yeah, I think about in the business context, the conversation we we're on yesterday, Dan, where a manager had a uh, troubled uh, employee and the whole conversation was around how to get this guy out of here um, eventually. And kind of finally we got there. Like I asked her, do you want to keep this guy or not? Instead of like, she's like, oh, I don't know how to do this and this and that and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, what do you want here? Oh, I want him gone. Okay. Um, but there've been several, several attempts, I would say, to like, to get to the real convo, but they didn't, hadn't gotten to the real conversation, which was, hey, this is what I'm asking from you. You seem to not want to be doing it based on results. Like it's not happening, but it, the real thing is, you know, cause when something's not happening, there's lots of reasons why it's not happening. And it's always, it's, it's most of the time it's attitudinal. The, it, at a smaller percentage of time, it's competency. Like I don't have the, I don't have this technology or I don't have this accessibility or blah, blah, blah. But anytime we don't have that, it's because we also haven't pursued that usually, right? So it's almost always in the person, not in the thing, not in the tool. So, um, that would be, there would be an example of that is like, she'd been unwilling to really have the contextual conversation. Like, well, you know, cause they've been friends for a long time and now this person reports to her, which is a whole very complex dynamic, of course, whole set she, of conversations, whole set of conversations, but that she hadn't been talking like, Hey, what's it like to work with me? I know we've been friends for a long time and we were peers and then I worked in an adjacent team and now you work on my team. What's that like for you? How is that difficult for you? Because I see it, I see results hindering. I wonder if it's connected to this. That would be reinserting the humanity in the conversation, which is like where someone's coming from, what their challenges are internally, that probably that they're not vocalizing and verbalizing. But as a leader setting up and saying, hey, what might else be um, getting in their way that's going on between their ears and really exploring that dynamic? And that's generous, right? Because it takes something from you. I mean, you know it's generous when it's risky. You know, yeah, it's, you know, yeah, you're you're subordinating your your need and agenda to be there for them. You know, there's a I learned a you know a, kind of a principle when I was a young trainer. It's called unplugging. And so you know, you get you, we've all been plugged into something where we just need to be heard, and we can't hear anybody else till we're heard. So your question, what's it like for you, Adrian, is so powerful because if the person gets, I hear what it is for them, all of a sudden it's like they're not full, they're unplugged. And, you know, there's a big space now for you to say what you have to say. But oftentimes I'm not patient enough or generous enough just to connect with what they have to say. I'm too full of my own need to talk. And then we're just banging into each other or talking over each other, missing each other. That kind of thing. <clears throat> yeah. One of the mistakes that I can make when I'm not generous in my communication is to assume that other people on the team are, uh, I can assume that they're informed, <laughs> you know? So one of this, one of the examples that shows up for me is we had this training that's we had the intrepid that started three months ago uh, or actually probably four months ago now. And it, you, us three had talked about me being there as a trainer uh, in that room. Eileen wasn't privy to those 
those communications. And I even had the thought at, at one moment of because Eileen runs all the logistics of the training, she takes care of everybody and she does such a good job of taking care of both anybody who's training and participating. And she really makes arrangements, make sure everything. That, and, and I even had the thought, well, I wonder if Eileen knows. And for the sake of, I don't know what speed, uh, you know, whatever I just said, well, I assumed ah, she, I'm sure she'll be informed. Right. And uh, <laughs> you guys are smiling and shaking your heads. But I know that that's, that's not generous in my part. Well, um, us be generous with each other. Don't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> we left you and her, both of you hanging out. <laughs> so, so I, when I'm not being generous in my communication, I can recognize places where things I could make things clearer and for whatever the sake of speed, the sake of my schedule or feeling like it's going to take too long or that people should just know I've been unwilling in the, up until now, I've been unwilling to just act on those promptings, act on that uh, premonition to just, Hey, even if she already knows, even if it's already been communicated with her, just checking in. Hey, just want to check in, make sure you've been filled in on this. I know how much you care for the trainers and the participants in each one of these events and, uh, and having an extra body in the room does throw a wrench into things. It does, it does, it, it, you know, whatever. So I, I just wanted to share that because I think that that is an example. Uh, I think it's a relatable example of where we can convince ourselves not to communicate um, and not to, you know, not to be generous in our communication. Yeah. Assuming I, I, I just assumed she knew too. And then when she told me she didn't, I went, Oh, huh. hi. <laughs> will, you forgive, will you forgive me? Or will you make me pay? If you need to make me pay, let's do it right now. Give me a shot. <laughs> so this, this idea of generous communication, I mean, a lot of people are going to be listening to this going, okay, well, how do I do this? How, 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 how? And it's not a how, it's a who, as we often say. We're a bunch of owls. Who? <laughs> who? Who is it going to require you to be in order to notice the places where you're not communicating generously? Who, who is it going to require, who are you going to need to be in order to commit to, to communication generously or, or generous communication. Um, and I'm curious for you, both of you, um, how do you, for yourselves, who are you committed to being in order to generate and not saying that we're perfect at this by any means, obviously just shared an example where we missed it. Or I missed it. I'll take I missed ownership it of that. We all um, how do you pay attention to this? Well, I've been thinking about this, notion we have in our culture, like being in the moment, um, which sounds really romantic. It really does. It really does. Um, <laughs> right. So being in the moment. So a lot of how do I, or who must I be to be generous? I, I, I'm not, I have to give up this moment. There might be aspects of this moment that I actually need to give up on which is usually my own self-concern, my own fears, a lot of my own emotions, because my generosity 
you know, generosity is a, is a, it's just some, there are some concerns baked in generosity. I mean, I would just say that there's some concerns. Like I've got my own concerns that come up. Like, am I pandering? Am I, you know, giving license? Am I, you know, being a nice guy? Am I being a martyr? Am like I giving you know, it all? Am I giving am I up give- my boundaries? Yes, that's right. And so in order to, in order to like be generous, I must be connected to the future for me. Because I would rather be scarce. I would rather be in survival. Survival is safer, obviously, than the, than living in the faith that requires to be generous. That's why most of us, I would say, aren't generous because it requires some level of risk, which is which, which requires faith. That if I decide to be generous, I'm not going to be taken advantage of, or if I am taken advantage of, that's okay. If I decide to be kind, then... It, then they might not be kind in return. And I'm, I put my guard down and, you know, I'm going to take some shots. I could take some shots and that's okay. I'll take some shots for the sake of this relationship. Like that's generous. You know, like I'll, you know, I, I will, you know, if I've got like when I'm, when, anytime I'm insecure, I would love to be arrogant. Arrogance is like a wonderful reaction to my own internal insecurity. Well, if I give up my arrogance, which is obviously not generous, it's, it's more of a taking mindset, it's more of a dominating mindset. And I enter into some humility and get myself grounded. Then, you know, I make myself more vulnerable. And might I look the way that I'm scared that I am, I might look weak. And I've got a fear in my back of my head somewhere that's been baked in me since the beginning of time that I don't want to be weak. I don't want to come off weak. So anyway, my point is um, that in order to be generous, I must be connected to the future that I'm committed to having with this person. And by the way, I can be this person. Like I could like to be generous with myself might mean, oh, a 20-minute power nap during the middle of the day is me being generous with myself. Um, you know, so, so to be generous is connecting to the, the really the future worth having. And so I get out of this moment. I get in that moment first and see this moment from that moment. And that's what's wanted and needed. And, yeah, and, that, and so th- that generosity will show up in listening. Like, I'm going to be connecting with you in this moment and thinking of the future that what the future is calling me to be with you in that moment. So that I'm going to have to listen closely to connect with what's there. And then from the future, like, like this future is coming. So who's here? How can I support them? Like if we were with Eileen about that, and then I would have let her know you're coming and this is what he'll be doing. And that would have been easy for her to be on top of it, not stumble into the landmines. The only constant in an organization like yours is change. I want to take just a second to tell you about The Change Imperative, an ebook written by our very own Dan Tacchini. Let me ask you, how do you personally relate to change in your business? Does it feel like a threat at times? Does it ever feel like you can't keep up with it or it never happens fast enough? Are there certain players on your team that resist change and keep your company stuck? Growth, change, and transition, these intersections often come with confusion, frustration, and resistance. You can flip those experiences into clarity, confidence, and alignment with the Change Imperative ebook. The Change Imperative is instructions for innovating with your team. 
Go ahead and click in the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the change imperative now and feel confident about creating the change in your company necessary to take it to the next level. Yeah. The, you, Dan, you bring up listening. I think most of this conversation, or at least maybe this is just revealing for me, as we've been talking about generous communication, I've been thinking about the output that I give. Yeah, um, I, I think it starts with the listening. Yeah, it starts with the input. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm the one making it up anyway. You're saying stuff and I'm making it up, so I might as well be generous to check in. Generous will be checking in on about what I'm making up. Is that what you're where you're at? Then when we connect, to Adrian's point, I can then bring in the future what's wanted and needed and we can communicate. I, I w- if I'm connected to you, I'm going to know what you need for this future. So, Yeah. That, that idea of generous listening, uh, that doesn't mean for me, that doesn't mean like, Oh, just shut up. <laughs> no, <laughs> Generous listening. Purposeful. Yeah. Purposeful. purposeful. Making Dang. sure that you're clear um, for the aim that you guys have decided where you're going in the relationship. It's like, where are we going? And now I'm listening. Generous might look like interrupting the conversation and saying, hey, what you're saying is not lining up with the future you say you want. Yeah. It's like, um, think like radar, right? Your listening's like radar. And if you're not intentional about tuning it to listen for the things that are valuable to you, it'll just listen to the things that are safe to you, right? So, you know, you, you by point by being intentional and aiming for something that matters to me, I can then tune my listening to listen for everything that's valuable towards that end. So there's a hierarchy of concerns that inform the way I listen to you. So if I if I'm committed to teach my granddaughter how to 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 ski, I'm or I, I'm committed to teaching a manager how to listen in a conflict, then I'm going to listen for how they're listening, what their impact is. I'm going to order my, my language so that it supports them in seeing other things they may not be seeing and in solidifying things they are doing that are working. And just like, like I'm going to help them get connected to what is going to make a difference given their commitment. I'm going to, my listening is going to be tuned into it, right? So how often do you go into a conversation and you're not intentional and it goes sideways because you haven't, you know, you stepped on a landmine, you you neglected, you hurt them. You weren't really, to Adrian's point, thinking of the future you were committed to. So your, your listening is lazy and you miss things that are important to the relationship that might have been pre-declared, predetermined. You know, what we're committed to, is an also is a superstition. It's an apparition. So the we is if we have two people, it's what I'm committed to and what you're committed to. There's places in which these things overlap, but the reality is those the dynamic there shifts all the time. Like can shift a second. We know this when in a conversation, especially a difficult conversation is that there's moments of deep connection, there's moments of deep disconnection, and it can go extremes and it can go, it can be, it's very, it's multidimensional. So listening for where I'm headed, listening for where they're headed um, in their language, right? So listening to both. um, And and part of it is to break up the assumption that where we were committed yesterday is where we're committed today. That's an assumption that'll get you in a lot of trouble. Um, You know, first off, 
at least that's something that comes to mind for me as well. And I was also just going to say like, there's, there's to be, to, to share or to communicate generously. It is going to require, I think to this point, listening in a way that is, is more intentional than before. And also then speaking in a way that might be an unconventional, meaning like the most generous thing I could say might be the hardest thing to say or the harshest even, or the most, you know, the, the thing that is really dangerous to say that, that might even upset the other person. They might choose to be upset by it. That might actually be the most generous thing. Now, how you say it, of course, you know, like the, the mood with which and the purpose with which and all that really does affect how that lands. But, you know, being generous doesn't mean always being or ever like doesn't like being nice. Like sometimes the most generous thing to say is just the truth as it is, as it occurs to you anyway. So it's not like be generous, like I'm always even po- it's not like even in that dynamic of positive or negative. Most people think generous, yeah, generous is positive. And so now I have to be positive all the time. Well, that can be your least, that can, you being positive all the time, you know, like the learning a new dance on the deck of the Titanic, that's great, but you're going to die. So might as well talk about, oh, hey, by the way, we had this dance, you know, rehearsal planned, but if we don't pay attention, we will be dying soon. So let's give up the joy of dancing for the sake of tomorrow. That's the idea of toxic positivity, right? Yes. Let that sink in. <laughs> Good one. Good one, Dan. Uh, yeah, that I mean that that can that kind of approach can be disparaging to your relationship, obviously, to your aim if you're if you're listening to how you can just be positive all the time. Right on. <laughs> yeah. And I can so easily do that. I mean, that's like a confession for me. I can so easily be entranced by the idea that if I'm the make it better guy, that I'm a gift to the situation, you know, cause I'm always like, let's just make this better. You know, let's work together. Let's be connected. Let's blah, 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 blah. And man, I can be the, I can be such a mess when I'm only that way, instead of like, it's not better. This thing, this way, this conversation that's here, let's let this sucker die so that something new can happen. But I got to get off of my own, romantic sensation the fact that like the fact that i'm positive it makes me better than other people being generous is is being able to accept things that may not be immediately rewarding but long term or beneficial like we just i just had a client who i we you know he's one of our biggest clients and in, in really i could see he, he he really wanted me to do some things for him continue to do things in 2023 that wouldn't work for me and even though it would have been nice to make that money i just said to him this is not good for me and it's not good for you if you're if you're looking for a certain outcome because he wanted me to do certain things to kind of work around uh, it, it would perpe- it would perpetuate a situation he ultimately didn't want but he didn't really want to do the things that were necessary and so i just refused to do it unless he was willing to do you know like do what he didn't want to do which i knew would throw him up against betraying himself and he finally said no nah, i better do this myself and and in the process it was funny because he imagined because we did this on email at first and i because i wanted to get everything detailed because there was enough in there that we would want to recount in the process he thought that i was angry with him or he thought that because 
I wasn't answering his request. I was, you know, he didn't, I, he didn't view it as a generous act, but by the end of the call, he, by the end of the email exchange and two day conversation, he thanked me and said, you know, I get what you're up to now. Thanks. I appreciate it. Cause my point to him was, I ain't going anywhere. I'm just saying, if this, we're going to do this the way I want to do, it's not going to really serve you because I'm not going to pander. I'm not going to try to work around what you're afraid of here. You need to, if you did, but if you did it, then it'll be handled because you'll handle it because it's your deal. I can't take authority for what you need to do. I can only take authority for the things you hire me to do and, and other stuff. I, I, I know better. <laughs> and it was great, man. At first he was angry and a little pissy and now he's thankful. You know, it's like, and I'm looking forward to, it. I know he, like he, now he wants to talk and get together and all of a sudden the resources there. Right. Mm where there was none. I mean, instantaneously. Yeah. I think, um, that's why, I mean, it's, 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 I'm sorry, go Chad. No, go ahead. I was going to wrap it up. So I'd love to hear your last thought. Well, I was just, so the beauty of what Dan was just saying that, that he does really naturally is, and so, but it's good talking about it just so we can all, can all, cause that's, that's, if you guys read the email exchange, um, you'd be like, wow, you know, that level of clarity and conviction, that works in the context of generosity, meaning you, you heard Dan say it, like, I'm not going anywhere. Like I'm committed to this guy, no matter what, and I'm going to love him and be a resource to him, no matter what. Now, if he wants the relationship, that's up to him. If he wants Dan to be a resource and TNG to be a resource, that's up to him. But the commitment was, I'm committed to you. And so if that's true, then you can really have so much more room to let things fall apart or so much more room to like have an argument or so much more room to contend with ideas. If there's a broader context of generosity in a relationship, which I just see people often not even wonder about the broader context of like, what do you want? Which is usually when I get a complaint from a leader around, you know, the guy on their team, that's that sucks. And they want to go have a tough conversation with him. And I always say, hold on, what do you want with this guy? Like, tell me about the future relationship you want with him. And that answer or that lack of answer will generate the type of communication that will show up in the moment, like the, both the micro and the macro. Right on. It will. That's the whole thing is in leadership, if you want to, the whole object of, objective of leadership is to catch something before it becomes a problem. Really, that's a big part of it. And the only way to do that is to generously have conversations, particularly the ones you don't necessarily want to have and listen for what's ma what matters in there. Right on. And that's when you communicate. I mean, one of the most, one of the most generous ways to communicate is to communicate from your vision. Cause if I start off saying, Hey, Chad, I love you, man. And there's nothing I won't do for you. And you, I could, you know, you know that I love you, right? Okay, good. So let's talk about some stuff that don't, doesn't sound that loving. Um, and you know, you're fucking it up. And you're fucking it up, man. And I, and, and right. I mean, but, 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 well, you know, I mean, if it was true, like if yes. let's say that was a conversation, it's like, but hold on. Hey, once again, I want this to work and I believe in you. So I'm bringing this to you because of my love for you. I'm not bringing it to you to critique. I'm not bringing it to you to correct. I'm not bringing it to make you wrong. I'm doing it because I'm coming from a place of love and they might not receive it that way. Cause that's pretty abnormal in communication these days. I remember you were, we were involved with a, a very large client and they 
brought me on as a chief of staff. But the way it happened was because I was surprised because I was usually the one saying things that edged the the CEO. <laughs> like I was like, you know, I know you don't want to hear this, but I, blah blah blah. And part of the generosity was saying, if look, I just want to give you my point of view. It may not be true, but here's what I see. And if this, you don't take care of it here, well, this this little hors d'oeuvre is going to come back as a big shit meal over here two months later. And he didn't look at him. And I thought, you know, he just blew it off, which was fine. And I thought, okay, well, I probably won't hear from him. And three months later, he's asking me to be his chief of staff. When I said to him, well, why do you want me to come do that? Because we don't, you know, we get into it pretty bit. He goes, because I can trust that you're going to have, a, you're going to champion the vision of the organization that I care about in a way that you're willing to risk my approval, which opened up one of our the biggest contracts we had in that year and completely surprised. And to me, that was, you know, his, it was an act of generosity on his part, but part of being generous is risking the way you're going to look or what you have at stake for something that's really meaningful to you. Because it's so easy to, you know, to sell out just for the, 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 uh, the brief relief that you get from that. Yeah. I think what keeps coming up for me is being a spokesperson for reality. That's, I mean, and listening for reality. That's generous. If you're willing to speak it, listen for reality. Uh, that's 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 a great setup for being generous in your communication. So, thank you so much, both of you. Really appreciate this conversation. Yeah, man. Love being with you, Chad. Yeah, you, Chad. Bye, bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody.